0: Is car doctor. Well, good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems on this Saturday morning, rainy, miserable Saturday morning that it is. Um, but hopefully you're someplace where it's dry without a roof leak or... Anything bad like that. So, uh, uh, but it's, uh, it, uh, you know, one of those, one of those days. If you're outside and you're outside working, I feel bad for you, certainly. But, uh, it is, uh, it is a, it was a rainy day. In fact, it was a little bit hard getting to the radio station this morning. There was flooding. There was some road closures. There was a few other things going on. So, uh, I, if you're uh, looking for past programs, you can always find them on uh, my podcast site, which is johnfpaul.podomatic.com, or just search Car Doctor Radio on all the various sites, Stitcher and iTunes and all that sort of stuff. You can find our old programs, and you can always listen to us uh, on our app. Go to the uh, any one of the app stores, Apple or Android, and uh, search for WROL Radio. You'll find our app, or you can stream us online at WROLradio.com. But with us on the phone is uh, Chris Russell. Chris Russell is from the Paragon Group, and uh, big doings down in Connecticut. Chris, good morning. Good morning. And w- welcome to the Car Doctor program. Good morning. How are you? Thank I'm you. I'm, I'm doing good. Hey, uh, first off, Connecticut Auto Show, you guys have moved.
1: Yeah, new location, new venue. So uh, we've moved to the Mohegan Sun, and there's a brand-new expo center and we are going to be the first consumer show in that center. So we're excited to be in a whole new location. It's going to be one-stop fun at Mohegan Sun.
0: <laughs> uh, did you just make that up? Uh, about two months ago. All right. <laughs> and uh, and so so the, the idea is you go look at some fabulous cars, and then you go out to the casino, and you win enough money to buy one, right?
1: hopefully, actually, you can win one. There's a Mercedes CLA uh, that's part of the, uh, one of the raffles that you can do through the Momentum program at Michigan Sun, so that's really? available. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, we also have some affordable supercars that'll be available,
0: too. What's an affordable supercar?
1: Well, i was starting to look through it all. It seems like the most attainable supercar in the world is going to be there. Which is? I just need to borrow $211,000 from you, John.
0: I was going to say, how much, does Barbara, cool. how much does Barbara pay you?
1: <laughs> McLaren 570S Spider. Ah. Its top speed is 24204. That's when the top is up. When the top is down it goes, only goes 195 miles an hour. But that's considered the world's most attainable supercar because of its price and its value and its prestige. Um but the other McLaren that's going to be there that everyone's talking about is the 720S. And that goes 112 miles an hour top speed.
0: Well, you know, but you need a
1: little $3,000, so you better hit a big jackpot while you're there.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, you know, the McLarens, there's a, kind of a, we'll, we'll use kind of general terms around the corner from the radio station is Boston McLaren, and Danny DeSantis was on this program a while back, and he had one of his. Uh, Customers from New Jersey that brought four of his McLarens back to back to put on display, and I I think when you added the four cars up together, it came out to about three point eight million dollars. So uh, whenever <laughs> you can see, whenever you can see supercars all in one spot, but it's not just about supercars either. It's about it's about everyday well, cars, right?
1: Everyday cars. We've got a whole uh, over, uh, thirty-one different badges will be there this year, and uh, everything from the new Toyota. Uh, Avalon and uh, Corolla which have been uh, re- uh, redesigned to the uh, Chevy Blazer which is an all-new product coming back again um, if you're looking for trucks there's like the GMC the, the uh, new uh, Sierra Denali they're, I think there are three different trims that are coming uh, the new Volkswagen Jetta so there's a lot of interesting cars that end of uh, the uh, Hyundai Santa Fe and the Tucson those will be featured as well so these are vehicles that are bigger they're lighter they're more efficient they're computerized, Um, the trickle-down effect has happened, so all these fancy luxury cars we started talking about, all those technologies have now integrated into these
0: everyday vehicles that we get to drive. Well, that's, that's a really good point because it was a time where you had, if you, I'll go way back, if you wanted a car with electronic stability control, you went out and you, you had to buy a Mercedes, and now every car has it, but now we're also seeing things like all of the advanced driver assistance systems, whether it's automatic emergency braking or uh, front collision warning or all of those systems, in fact... Uh, Hyundai made some new headlines with this new Santa Fe that took the place of the Santa Fe Sport, that all of that equipment comes standard now.
1: Yes, yes. And that, when I'm used to these vehicles, I'm amazed at how many of them, all the technologies are now standard, where a year or two ago maybe a different trim, you had to go up a level. Not anymore. Mm. And now, it, and it just seems to be happening faster and faster each year because uh, manufacturers like Nissan, they have their own system that they've developed.
0: Toyota has their own system they've developed, so they're just getting smarter every year, and they're happy to pass it on to the next model. That's right, and now, and it's a it's a personal project of mine now. I'm trying to get all the manufacturers to agree on uh, nomenclature, so we know what all this stuff is. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> autopilot on one thing, and it's uh, pro-pilot on another thing, and it's, uh, you know, driver assistance on something else, so uh, I've... Uh, yeah I am I'm personally writing to each one of the car manufacturers try to get them to agree on the name. And last I heard there was about 250 different names for advanced driver assistance systems and it's just it's kind of making making the world a little bit more complicated than it needs to be.
1: But but this is where We're going to need one of those Tom Brady's uh cheat sheets on his arm
0: yeah exactly exactly something like that so uh, yep. yeah yeah in fact uh in fact I'm, I'm gonna come out with a, uh, a series about myself like uh, like what's he what's what's his called tb12 you know uh, <laughs> what yeah yeah exa- exactly yeah I'll have to come <laughs> up with some some number yeah but you know the whole point about an auto show is there's never it's there's never pressure and and as much as the auto business has changed over the years still sometimes going out to buy a car isn't sometimes isn't the best experience for people but you go to the auto show you're there just to look and the people at the show know you're there just to look.
1: Actually the people that are there who are there to greet you in each exhibit are trained professionals either product specialists and their job is very simple it's to provide you with a personalized experience in a friendly no pressure environment. That's if you have a question They're ready there to answer. And if they don't know, they've got an iPad in their hands and they're ready to show you the answer.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to me how much, you know, I'll be honest. I thought they were just all pretty people. um, And they were just there to kind of point to the car. But I remember going over and asking a guy who was standing there about what model Camry had LED headlights. And he, like, and he just, like, bang, he just knew every trim level that. LED headlights were available on. And it was just amazing. You just want to
1: have some fun. That's what you do. You go in there and try to stump them with a question. They light up. Yeah. They can't yeah, wait. Yeah. They want to hear the hard questions.
0: They do. Um, is there, uh, you know, usually when you look at different, you know, different shows like that, uh, you know, occasionally you throw a celebrity in the mix. Uh, any, any, uh, you know, WWE wrestlers or any, any celebrity <laughs> the show this year? Uh,
1: there's a celebrity this year. Uh, so how do you define celebrity? I suppose he's a radio celebrity. Um, he's the world's most famous limo driver. Ah, I. I he's I, from the Howard Stern Show. Ronnie the limo driver. Ronnie the limo so he driver. Hey now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and you know he he is uh uh he's he's also a big NASCAR guy. So he's he's actually is. Much of a you know goofball as as the radio show is, and all the other things. He, he's also a big car guy and a big NASCAR guy. In fact, he actually tried I guess on Sirius to do some kind of car program and found out it was too, more work than he wanted to put into it. But but he is he is a pretty interesting guy. So yeah, I'm and you know let's, let's face it, you know you love or hate Howard, he has you know a billion listeners. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people I'm sure who will go in just to see Ronnie the limo driver.
1: Believe it or not, Ronnie the Limo Driver has over 220,000 Twitter followers.
0: That's um, 219,100 more than I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to come on down and meet Ronnie, uh, if they're fans of the show, they know what a flat Ronnie is, yep. and like a flat Stanley, and so we will have some there that people can get autographed, and uh, if they want to bring their own, they can. And also, we'll have a copy of his poem "Winter." Ah! And for the show, we'll know what that is too. But uh, Dean Kane, the Superman actor that Ronnie used his body for for the um, is a uh, professional photo. Dean Kane will not be present. Oh, there we go. Blamer. Oh. Yeah, it'll be Ronnie's body there as yeah. well as his head.
0: <laughs> and he's he's um he's not exactly a young man either. I think he's uh I think he's uh, almost seventy. So. Uh, he had a
1: birthday, yeah. actually, last Saturday, Sunday. he's 69. Oh,
0: there you go. Okay. And uh, and also, you can't have a new car show without some old cars there. And traditionally, uh, there's been an old car or two at, at every new car auto show. Anything interesting at, at the show this year? There are three interesting vehicles that are
1: classics. One's going to bring you back to your past. You ready? Go ahead. A 1977 Nissan Patrol. Really? Yes. I just found this out the other day. That's the only Nissan-badged vehicle sold in the U.S. until the early 80s when the whole Mm. Datsun-Nissan phase out. Um, But this is called This vehicle, it was the second generation. It was the first vehicle to drive across the Simpson Desert in Australia, which is considered the world's largest sand dune. So Mm. this is a vehicle that just had worldwide appeal. Um, Today, I guess you would compare it to the Armada. Yep for comparison, but um, this is a nut and bolt restoration. It's be very rare, I was looking at it because it was originally an auction item. That's the website I was looking at for, for researching this. Um, it's a very rare restoration, so that's something to appreciate. And over in the VW exhibit, uh, they've got two vehicles that have historical and cultural significance as well. There's a 1955 Beetle, which originally was 1,900 dollars <laughs> in 1955. <laughs> And that's really the, the vehicle that started the Beetle phenomena. And that was sold on, there was a dealership in England, New Jersey. And in 1956, how about this, the year after this vehicle in 55 comes out, guess what percentage of imported vehicles were Beetles the next year? A lot. 65%, 65%. Wow. Can you imagine that? So this is the vehicle that really started that phenomenon. And then there's a 1958 Carmen Ghia and that original price was about maybe twenty seven hundred dollars, and um, that's the year that Cumming Gear introduced the convertible. Hmm.
0: So this is the yes. Yeah, so this is a Cumming Gear yeah,
1: convertible, the first year of
0: that as well. Those are those are truly historically significant cars. So for anybody who's an air cool fan or a Volkswagen fan, those are some phenomenal cars to to go down and check out while you're there because. Like you said, that kind of, that started, that started a lot of the craze, but, but also just the idea to be able to see something like that is, is pretty unique. And especially where I believe Volkswagen announced that this is the last year for the Beatles. So, uh, you know, who knows what's coming up next, but it's, uh. But it looks like it's probably the last year for, for, for uh, at least the Beetle convertible. So we'll have to. We'll so have this to is see. your chance to meet the Beetle. Come on down. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and and so it it does make it interesting. It's funny. I was talking to an old-time Volkswagen guy this week, and he was telling me he's been chasing one of the very very first beetles that ever came to market and it was at a volkswagen dealer here in boston and it was up it was up in a storage loft and it actually had cable style brakes so we stepped on the brake pedal it wasn't hydraulic it was these these uh cables that went to each wheel and the thing was all rusted and frozen and nobody wanted it and uh but i guess the dealership just sort of stuck at the corner somewhere. it went down to an auction a few years ago. it didn't it didn't sell and nobody knows exactly where it is now. So you know Volkswagens have a have a long and interesting history. and to be able to see one of the one of the original ones, and like you pointed out, one of the ones that really started the Beetle craze in the United States, um, kind of an interesting story.
2: I and mean, you think
1: cutting geese you think of a convertible right. Yeah. And th- this is the one that started that whole Carmen Ghia convertible. And also, the restoration is fantastic. So, you can really appreciate the vehicle because the way they've been restored. Also, something else we've moved to a new weekend this year. The Connecticut Auto Show is now Veterans Day weekend. And we've always had this offer in the past, but we're going to definitely amplify it this year. But if you're an active or retired military member, just bring your, your ID to the box office, and there's free admission.
0: Wow. Well, even, even better.
1: And if you have a guest, dollars off to the guest as well
0: wow and so that so that's so that's a really that's good and so the the show starts when and ends when
1: it starts on friday november 9th Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at 11 Mm a.m and it goes through sunday november 11th to 5 p.m
0: well and so so it's uh like you pointed out a little you know a little different time completely different venue all new all new space first first show at that space so that makes it exciting it's at the casino which makes which brings its own level of excitement to it so uh really really makes it pretty interesting and if you're not going to connecticut and not to well i don't want to say this but before we know it it'll be january and the boston <laughs> auto show is coming up right there
1: it is we're, we're working on that already Yep, yeah. all year also, and and with the Connecticut, Leegin Sun. If you attend the show there, you'll get a hand stamp, and you bring that your hand around to the uh, different show to the different vendors, and you'll get different discounts at restaurants and stores as well that are at Leegin Sun.
0: So this is so something this, like
1: over fifteen restaurants.
0: So this really takes the auto show from a destination to a destination and. Uh, a whole entertainment complex. So, I mean, it used to yeah. be, you know, we'll go way back in time to where the the Boston Auto Show used to be at the Bayside Convention Center. So you go to Bayside, you make it, you 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 make your way in there, you go see the show, you have a great time, and then you go home. But now, all of a sudden, you go see the you go see the Connecticut Auto Show, and like you said, a bunch of restaurants, the casino, a lot of things to do. Uh, just, it turns it in, it turns it in, you could, you could easily turn this into a, uh, Saturday, Sunday weekend.
1: Oh, very easily. In fact, what I like about this is that if someone's a shopper and they come into the show and they shop a couple of vehicles mm-hmm. and their spouse or partner or family are looking at other vehicles, they can go off to another part of the building, sit down, talk about it, and then go back and compare. Yeah. No. There's no reason to leave the convention center and then you're done, basically. No. You're able to become a really shop, and it's a no-pressure
0: showroom. So, so does that mean next year the Boston Boston Auto Show is going to be at the new casino in Everett? <laughs> no, we're at the BCEC for <laughs> the foreseeable future. <laughs> well, and the and the B C E C is. A destination itself because there is a lot of restaurants around there there's an awful lot going on around around that area right now so and we'll and you know we'll we'll talk again after the first year to talk about that show because uh, again that's a that's a fun time in Boston right around then but the Connecticut Auto Show if people want more information if they want to check it online where do they go
1: please go to ctautoshow.com they'll tell you more about ticket information the hours senior day is Friday $8 tickets, reduced by uh, $4, so an $8 ticket. Um, it'll have the different types of vehicles, the show floor plan. Everything will be there, the events and all the attractions. So all the information is at ctautoshow.com.
0: Okay. If I don't go there, just put a dollar on uh, uh, in a slot machine for me? And I'll get
1: you an autograph, flat, Ronnie, too. There, there you
0: go. Chris, always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for taking some time out of your Saturday and joining us uh, on the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you very All much right. for having me. Take care. Bye bye now. Take care. That was Chris Russell, the Paragon Group, and the Connecticut Auto Show. Uh, just a uh, just a, it's a it's a great the Connecticut show's always been a nice show. It's been a it's been kind of a uh, a compact little show, uh, taking the same show and putting it in the casino footprint. Uh, just, I think, adds a different energy to the show and just makes it that much more interesting. And uh, we do have some tickets to give away to the Connecticut Auto Show. We'll figure out how to give those away in a little bit. We've been giving them away pretty regularly over the past month or so. And, and, uh, and for people who uh, wanted sh- uh, tickets to the... Uh, to the Boston Auto Show and won those last week. I I have put those uh, I have put those in the mail last week, so they're all good. And we're still looking for entries to win a gift certificate to the In Control Advanced Driver Training School. And all you have to do is drop me an email at j paul at aaa northeast.com and you'll be entered to win we haven't gotten a lot of entries yet I'll be perfectly honest so you have a pretty you have a pretty good chance of winning uh, uh, the gift certificate for the in control driving school and you can you can use it yourself make yourself a little safer give it away to a, your kids or grandkids uh, and on top of that you go spend four hours or four and a half hours and you get an insurance discount on top of that which is good for I think five years so pretty good pretty good deal Keith why don't we take a break pay some bills uh and when we come back we're going to be talking to Joe Peppertone and you say who's Joe Peppertone well let's we'll we'll figure that out uh, when we come back my name's John Paul this is the car doctor program we'll be right back Mustang inside
2: <laughs> Guess you better slow your Mustang down.
0: WROL the Spirit of Boston or 100.3 FM, either one. You can listen to us just about anywhere, and you can listen to us, of course, online at uh, WROL Radio or the app WROL. The app. You can find us there as well. So there's a lot of places you can find us. Um, I was at the AAA office yesterday, and uh, and I got talking. I got talking with the people about real ID and the documentation you need for it. And um, it, you need, so if you want real ID, you need to go into the office with a passport or passport card and an original birth certificate, and it must be issued from the municipality and have a raised seal. Hospital certificates are not accepted, so you're going to need both of those. Um, and then you also need your Social Security card or a paycheck stub that actually has a, your nine-digit Social Security number on it. Um, there's some other things you can use, a W-2 form that displays your nine-digit social security card. Uh, if your name has changed and you don't have a passport with your current name on it, you need a marriage certificate that does have the, uh, the name change on it and then also you need you need five different things is what it comes down to and your current driver's license and then something else like a utility bill that has your name on it, a firearms card, a jury summons that's within 60 days old um, tuition bill for the current year some school issued documents you could use but you need what comes what comes down to you need five documents for this real ID which is uh, which is not necessary. But if you do fly and you don't have a passport, you're going to need you're going to need that. So um, it is it is important to it is important to have. Um, the other thing is if you're if you have, uh, for instance, you need to go into a federal building from time to time. You need you need you need the same thing. So uh, you need to have it with the little star on it, which which makes. Uh, which makes it all, which makes it all work. So, if you are going to do that, you uh, need to uh, make sure you have all your documents in place. With us on the phone is a Joe Peppertone. Joe Peppertone is a uh, is is a is an artist. Actually, he 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 worked for Archie Comics for twenty years, but he also hosts a radio show down in the Carolinas. Originally, a nutmegger. Joe, good morning, and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Hey, John, good morning,
3: and uh, greetings from Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm sitting in the parking lot uh, where our cars and coffee, which goes all year round. And I know my pals up in uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island and Massachusetts get very envy of me uh, during the, uh, the winter months. But it's a beautiful 56 degrees. There's not a cloud in the sky, and it is an honor to be on your show.
0: Well, I don't, I don't know about an honor, but just to compare weather, we got about six inches of rain overnight. So, so we, uh, uh, you know, so if if there was going to be a last cars and coffee event anywhere around here, I'm pretty sure it got rained out. As did every kid's sporting event this morning. So, uh, so it's, uh, right. so it's a, a little, a little damp up here in New England. Um, let's let's start, let's start with you. Uh, um, how did, you, how did you get into what you're doing And, and what is it you do, really?
3: <laughs> you know, my wife, uh, Mrs. Pep, always uh, Asks that question of me uh, I worked 20 years in advertising mm-hmm. Grew up in New Jersey mm-hmm. Okay, I grew up in New Jersey Lived in Connecticut for 30 years uh, New Haven County And uh, I worked 20 years as uh, art director Of Archie Comic Books and, uh, I always had a passion for, as my grandfather would call it, old time cars. Yeah. And, uh, so when you do work at home, it's called freelance. So I would go to the car shows and people would come up to me and say, Hey, Peppy, can you draw my Mustang? Can you draw my Model T? And, uh, this was back in the days before Hemmings, uh, where, um, you know, I would do this all mm-hmm. the time. And then in, uh. Uh, let's see. In July of uh, 2009, Mark McCourt of Hemmings uh, contacts me, and uh, they said we'd like to feature you in your auto in our auto art section. And I, I was dumbfounded, mm-hmm. and um, and that's that's how the story started. It was they they put me on the map, and it was up to me to to push forward. And within um, a year and a half, even with the recession going on, uh, Mrs. Pep comes up to me and says, if you like to quit, do so. And it took me three months to get the courage up because, you know, being responsible, mortgage, car payments, Mrs. Pep, the kids. And uh, it, it changed my whole life. And in 2013... Uh, we moved out of Connecticut and down to Wilmington, North Carolina. And I've been featured in Hemmings uh, 10 times uh, with Muscle Car, Daily Blog, and uh, Hemmings uh, Classic Car Magazine, which is uh, which the first one was October 2009. Hmm. And it, it just changed everything. So I always tell our audience, I says, uh, our guests are inspirational on Every Car Has a Story, from uh, uh, the fourteen-year-old girl that is restoring a car with her uh, father, uh, to uh, we're going to be having on Norman James, who designed the Firebird Three and the Lunar Rover. So, if that is an inspiration for someone that wants to, you know, push forward in their life, you know,
0: I, I applaud that. Yeah, no, it. it I I remember uh, uh, the. Uh the the original the original owner of Hemming's Terry Eric well I guess technically his father-in-law started it but Terry always always had this uh this idea of um you know bring a kid to a car show get kids interested Absolutely. get kids interested in cars and um I always tell a story there was a there was a, a one of the world of Wheels shows up here in Boston and there was uh and I, I, don't, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but there was... And this was probably... Uh, it was probably 10 or 15... It was probably 15 years ago. And there was a group of Camaro Firebird guys. And, you know, you can stereotype anybody you want, but these were like... Um, and then right across the aisle from them were... Um, A whole group of Asian hot rodders, so tricked out Honda Civics and 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 all there was were these sort of dead stares between the two groups. So you know, here's this kind of you know they they both have their they both have their place, but you could tell at first they were really competitive with each other. They were, you know, we have, you know, we have, we have big blocks, we have this, you know, you have, you have these little four cylinder engines with, you know, turbochargers on them. And then at some point, and I think it was, I think it was one of the, the Honda guys walked over and checked out one of the, one of the um, Camaros and all of a sudden they got, and they got talking and come to find out, even though they liked different cars, they shared the same passion. Whether it was, whether it was the passion of trying to make something slower, go faster, whether it was the passion of making something quiet, get louder, or whether it was just tricking out the interiors to make them unique to their own particular car. And next thing you know, it went from a bunch of people staring at each other going, you know, look at those, look at them over there. The next thing you know, they're all like, they're all like, um, exchanging ideas, talking with each other, hanging out together, and it's like, well, here's where the car hobby transcends, you know, all kinds of environments. And all of a sudden, they became, you know, it it turned into turned into what, you know, it, it looked like it was going to be a, it looked like it was going to be uh, you know, something from, uh, you know, uh, West Side Story, and it was going to be a fight, and it turned into <laughs> a bunch, it turned into a, a bunch of people that ended up liking each other because because. The hobby that they like so much brought them together, I always I always thought that was kind of interesting.
3: Well, John, I have to agree with you one hundred and ten percent. It's the cult, This is the car culture, uh, and it's it's the evolution of the hobby, and the uh, the old timers. You know, they believe in... Well, you get your spark plug, and you tune it up, and you gap it, and you do this, and you do that. And and uh, with the tuner cars, they put in a chip. But the thing is, what it all boils down to is that they all have four wheels. Mm-hmm. And this is the next generation, and you cannot stifle it. And uh, even here at our Cars and Coffee, the tuner cars all are in one section. Uh, we have our Hot Rodders in another. We have... Uh, Uh, the European cars, and another. uh, Now, I'm a member of the Antique Automobile Club of Cape Fear, and uh, we have our, so they all kind of stick together. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that I call Cars and Coffee, which I feel Wayne Carini is the godfather of Cars and Coffee. He started it all with the F40 Garage in Mm -hmm. Connecticut. And these uh, are Cars and Coffee, and I know it's just like this in all 50 states, it's, the United, it's like the United Nations or the United States of cars. Right. You know, it's you have all these different blends. And these kids, they just want to show off their car. Right. Just like someone did 30 years ago or 50 years ago. They just want to show off their car. And uh, we were talking at our uh, AACA meeting, and I said, these are the kids that you need to have come into the club. Well, you know, you from the senior members, they're not too thrilled about it. But the thing is, if you want your organization to thrive for the future, you got to let the future in. And to me, I applaud, uh, these young men and women that love these tuner cars. It, it's, it's the way the industry is going.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is. You see, you see. Uh, I go to a lot of Votech schools. Uh, I'm on some of their different boards, and and you do see that you do see the tuna cars, but you also see the kids that are really into the trucks, and and you see them into the diesel trucks, and you see them. You know, all of a sudden now they're they're they have a kind of. A diesel that is putting out, you know, 650 horsepower, uh, maybe a little overfueled at some point. You know, it's a, it looks like a, it looks like a 1930s, uh, uh, you know, factory smokestack, but amazing the amount of power they get out of it. And that's their thing to do. And I, you know, there's so much room in this hobby for everyone to be able to, you know, do what they want. I was, I was looking at a, a car the other day and, uh, and I just kind of looked down at the shifter, and it was a, it was it was some kind of '70s car, not not anything in particular. But I was looking at the interior, and the uh, and the shifter was actually a, a half inch ratchet that they welded onto the welded onto the shifter okay. handle. And just the idea that they they you know just kind of made it a little unique, a little bit weird, and and just kind of kind of made it fun at the same time. It just uh, you see that kind of stuff. And so this love for the hobby now of a sudden turned into, besides besides um, being an artist and, and drawing cars, now of a sudden it turned into radio and Facebook Live, right?
3: That's correct. Now, Every Car Has a Story with uh, Joe Pett and Dusty uh, were heard on uh, the Big Talker Radio 106.7 FM in Wilmington, North Carolina, and you can hear that... Uh, we broadcast on FM local FM yeah. here in Wilmington. Uh, you can hear us on worldwide internet radio. And in August, we started Facebook Live. And what I see with the Facebook Live is, and as you know, how Facebook works, it's like once you post something, that just goes forever. If you miss a show, now you can now you can see a Facebook show and see the cars that the car designer worked on. Uh, or the uh, uh, automotive journalist hmm. at the magazines. You know, we put these photographs up now. Uh, Thursday, we interviewed uh, Mark Gessler, who was the president of the uh, Historic Vehicle Association, live from SEMA, and we had Sean, who's the the owner of the of the Bullet Mustang, and we're showing the audience there it is. It's like hmm. you couldn't go to um, you couldn't go to uh, SEMA. Well, we tried <laughs> our best to bring a, a good broadcast. What I also like about Facebook Live is that, you know, you get senior senior citizens. They can't make it to a car show anymore. Right. But if they have access to a computer, uh, our one of our slogans is, I had to laugh when you said it was raining. <clears throat> when I do uh, posts, if you want to friend me on Facebook, just look for Joe Peppa looks like a Pepsi bottle cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's our car shows never get rained out except for hurricanes yeah (laughs) except for hurricanes (laughs) but the thing is is that now now you have a visual now you can see it and I tell my radio audience it's like you know radio is great but if you want to see the cars tune in on our uh, Facebook live at 1pm eastern standard time uh But this is the way the culture is going, and we have two guests per show. There are times, like last week, we had one guest, and we're thinking about reformatting just for one guest because 12 minutes is just not enough, Mm. and uh, uh, our show runs 55 minutes, and the 50th show was Thursday, and I was like, wow, this is this is just fantastic, yeah. and it's getting better and better and better and better.
0: But, no, uh, and, and you're absolutely right about once you post something online, um, you know, I try I try to do this in an educational way sometimes when I talk to uh, younger people, I say, you know what the difference between, you know, YouTube or Facebook Live and True Love is, and they will look at me and go, you know what, and I'm like, um, you know, YouTube lasts forever.
3: Yep, and, it'll be it'll be out there as long as there's yeah, uh, these cloud and, centers yeah. that
0: store all. Of them. And and for high school and for high school kids, they go, uh, "You mean you mean true love doesn't last forever?" And I'm like, "Well, not always." But, but but Facebook live does so, so uh, you know keep that in mind whenever you post stuff too that you know it, it may impact your ability to get a job at some point so um, but no yeah. it yeah. is it is interesting how the media has changed and what brought you to North Carolina why why'd, you, why'd you, you you know you you moved from you moved from New Jersey to Connecticut how, how'd you end up in Wilmington North Carolina? Well
3: uh, we would vacation at uh, Carolina Beach. Okay. And um, so we knew the the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were at a point where it was an aha moment. You know, it's like my wife works uh, in education. She's a sign language interpreter for the deaf. Mm -hmm. So she could work anywhere in the United States. I'm working up on the second floor of my home in my studio office Mm -hmm. uh, as an illustrator. And, um, we were, the whole family, we were having pizza one Friday night. And, uh, it was like, you know, we could, we could live anywhere in the United States or in the world. So the family says, okay, where are we going to live? So I chime in and I say, Hawaii. I mean, John, I had to throw that
0: in. Yeah, you have to. Hawaii,
3: Hawaii's a good choice. Right. And then, uh, you know, it's, uh, my daughter goes, oh, uh. San Diego, and then my son, he's like, I want to stay right here, and um, and the thing is, is that when, when that question is posed, it's very difficult to think, where would you want to live? Hmm. So, after several talks, and this went on for like a year, uh, a friend of ours that was, oh, God, we've known since the 1980s. Uh, so why don't you come on down Christmas time? Well, Christmas time was um, sixty degrees, and it's really weird seeing Christmas down here because it's you have your Christmas decorations, and then you have the uh, flower called the pansy. Okay. Whereas in Connecticut, we would plant them Mother's Day; they're out Christmas time, and it's very surreal. Mm. Uh, it's green down here because uh, you have pine trees. Magnolia trees And uh, a couple other species That does not turn or, or lose its leaves So it's always green down here uh, Two years ago We had 80 degrees And I think the northeast Even suffered from a heat wave uh, Where it seemed like It was Christmas in July That was weird That was mm. weird But um, We had that aha moment And Everything fell in place The, the universal wind up. And we moved down here in uh, June of 2013, and I, I just I just love it. Uh, the thing I'm not too thrilled about is we live in an area called Hurricane Alley, and uh, this was the first time we ever had to evacuate. Mm. But you know what, John? After everything was said and done, and Wilmington was uh, rebuilding from the hurricane, and you know what? You guys have gotten hit with some pretty bad mm-hmm. hurricanes, uh in the past. Oh yeah. Um uh, Cars and Coffee from last month. We had over five hundred car people show up with wow. their cars. Five hundred people uh, in Cars and Coffee.
0: That's amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we occupy a space that's uh, there's a uh, um a movie center. Mm-hmm. And uh if you if your listeners want to look up uh dome theaters on independence and 17th and they can see a bird's eye view with uh, via Google satellite. And we have room for, uh, Oh, I'd say 700 cars if, if need be. Wow. But the car culture is very uh, alive and well. And John, what I noticed too is up north you see, you know, you'll see your model T's and your 64 Mustangs and you'll see your Camaros. Um, I see DeSoto's down here. I see Pontiac's down here. You know, more uh, cars that you would normally not see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I find even like uh, I worked for uh, uh, the Intermountain Concourse Elegance out in Salt Lake City, Utah, back in uh, 2011. And there you see cars that you normally don't see out east. So that's what's great about the car culture. So you go to different areas of the country and you'll see more different types of cars and why i can't i can't figure it
0: out well it's it's interesting when you go to a place where um there are there there is the that that whole culture of cars and you know here in uh the boston area we see a little bit of it but i know i spent um a week or so down in sort of outside of the De- the Daytona area, and just like standing on a street corner and watching stuff drive by, you know, all of a sudden I saw an Anglia drive by, and I saw, you know, I saw oh, yeah. a share of antiques, but then you see stuff because it doesn't get quite as rusty. Sometimes you get the, you see some old stuff that are just daily drivers, which which always seems real interesting absolutely. to me. Too. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh last month we had a, a replica
3: 1936 auburn show up and I, john when that car pulled in it was like wow yeah. this is i felt like i was at a concourse and speaking of concourses uh my radio partner dusty and i will be going to the uh, trump charlotte concourse d'Elegance in Mooresville, uh, North Carolina, which is right next to Charlotte.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And they're going to... Oh, I love concourse events because these are the cars that sh- that um, thankfully they're not in the museum. I mean, I applaud museums, but when you see a car and it's natural where it should be outside, uh, they're going to have a couple of cars uh, from the Howard Hughes collection. Uh, they're going to have Fatty Arbuckles buckles uh uh, Pierce Arrow, wow. nineteen nineteen Pierce Arrow, and uh, it's uh, I, I can't wait. I yeah. can't wait. No, I'm I, doing I, Facebook Live uh, videos. There. Yeah,
0: no, it's amazing when you can see certain things. I know. I mean, I I I'm the same way, and I and I also like it when I see cars that get driven to shows. Which I remember, I was years and years and years ago. I was at a, uh, a Porsche show, and one of the Porsche family members was there and I kind of said to him this must make you happy to see a a sea of Porsche vehicles here and he goes no it doesn't and I said why is that and he goes most of these cars were were trailered here he said my cars are meant to be driven and people are not enjoying them for what they are. And the same thing when you see a car at a concourse, that's great. But when you see them driven, it's even better. And I love it when oh. they do some of these concours events where the the night before they take them out for a good drive. And you know, and if you happen to just be on a street corner somewhere, and all of a sudden you see you know fifty, sixty, a hundred beautiful classic cars drive by. Um, it, it it always just it always just makes it that much better. Uh, but on the other hand. There are only going to be cars. Sometimes you see in a museum. I uh, there's a new museum that popped that opened up this year in Bristol, Rhode Island, the Newport the Newport Car Museum, and it's a private owned museum. It's owned by it's all the cars in it belong to one guy, and there are cars that I've never seen before. Some of them are uh, antiques, and some of them are absolutely brand new. And but just the idea that they're you know they're, you know I I. I've driven a Hellcat. I haven't driven a Hellcat Demon. He's like, oh, I have a Demon over here, you know. And uh, the idea he had—he had, he had supercars, and he had, you know, he had—he had a hybrid section, and in his hybrid section was a, a Porsche 918, which is a million-plus-dollar car. And and there's no there's no ropes up. Uh, you you get to really you know get close and personal with the cars and then there's fun stuff there you know the uh bmw izetta which uh they claim is the most photographed car in the building because it's such a fun little car so you know just the idea that there, there are these cars that you can get to see and whether you get to see them in person or like you said whether you get to see them on uh on uh on facebook live just it just makes it for a fun event
3: Absolutely, and you know, John, what we were talking about in the beginning of our interview is that, you know, kids are the future, and I always say this on my show, it's like, bring your kids to a car show. Mm -hmm. It's an outdoor history lesson on four wheels, so family members that are listening, take your kids to a car show you know, in the springtime or if there's something that's an indoor event up in the Boston area. Because when you look at a car, and I'm, uh, okay, let's, for example, we have a club member who has a 1912 Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Okay, history lesson. Who was the president? What was going on in the United yeah. States at yeah. the time? When you look at a car, even the car that's parked in your driveway, you're seeing the top of technology for that model year. So our club member with this 1912 Cadillac, first year electric start, uh, first year electric headlights. The year before, you would have to turn a, uh, you would have to put these pellets in the mix of gas, turn it on, and then light the uh, light the wick inside the lens of a headlight. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is all history so when you see a car that's 100 years old you're looking at something that was the top of technology if our listeners have a a a granddad and they have a an old 57 uh chevrolet uh, pickup truck you're looking at the top of technology for general motors for that model year so it's
0: bring them to a car show yeah no and and it's interesting yep go ahead i'm sorry go ahead no, no, no. no, no. Go
2: ahead,
0: yeah, no. It's interesting too when you look at that. What was the top technology then? And I and I mentioned it. I mentioned it just the other day. With um, I was driving. I was driving a car that had a. Uh, it had a light that came on, a blue light that came on when you first started it. That meant the engine was cold and really to take it easy with it until until the blue light goes off, so the car can warm up. Warm up uh, at a at a reasonable rate and not do not cause any problems. And uh, an an old car friend of mine posted, "Yeah, uh, that they had that in the and I I forget what exactly he said, like the '58 Oldsmobile." And I said, "Yeah, it's interesting how you know uh, what's old is new again, except for me. It seems like, uh, (laughs) uh, but but is it you know? And it can be something whether it's uh uh whether it's uh, automatic dimming headlights or." Uh, you know, or headlights that swiveled a little bit, like you know, I, you know, everybody looks back like at the Tucker, Tucker exactly that had yeah. some innovative um, uh, technology in it, or even just engine design in, in general. I, I, you know, the idea that uh, uh, you know the four stroke engine has been the four stroke engine, and then you know, yeah, you, you you combine that with hybrids, but there were there were there were you know types of hybrid technology back in the back in the you know. 20s and 30s, so uh, it, sure. it it always it always kind of you, you as you look back you learn a little bit about what the, where the future is too. So it always makes it interesting. Oh, definitely. Now here, John, I got
3: a question for you, and uh, any any of your listeners, uh, you know, email John uh, what you thought it was. Why was you ready? Sure. Why was electric cars more popular with women a hundred years ago
0: Well I know the answer but we'll, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that for a little bit later but yeah no that okay, was yeah. yeah in fact uh, in fact uh, Henry Ford's wife drove an electric car and it wasn't a Ford. the uh, I had seen a I was at the
3: Greenwich Concourse Elegance, which is the first Saturday in um, June in Greenwich Connecticut and I had seen it was a Baker electric. And I remember seeing pictures of this Baker Electric and Floyd Climber's, uh, uh, I think it's uh, the good old automobile, I can't remember the name of the book. But this this car was President Eisenhower's mother-in-law's car. Oh, okay. And I mean, and it's like, and I remember the photo as a kid with Eisenhower, you know, and he's kind of like leaning out the window, and now here I am three feet away where this where this great president was sitting, you know, and it, it's a history lesson. You talk about technology. Uh, the old Cadillacs from the 50s, they had that, uh, They called I think it was called the magic eye, mm-hmm. so that it would turn your high beams off. Yuck. You know, why don't they have this technology now, you know? It, probably because for some reason the bean counters see it as it, it costs too much money.
0: Well, it's um, it, it's interesting. They actually, I'm driving. I'm driving a nineteen thousand dollar Toyota, and it actually has that technology in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, 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 you do you do see it a little bit, but but you're right. You know, you, you mentioned the Baker Electric, and the Baker Baker Electric was uh, um, I I. Borrowed one. I guess I technically rented it from the Lars Anderson Auto Museum up in Brookline for an event. And uh, just the idea that that was that was a that was a really that was a really interesting car. And it was like sitting in your living room inside of it.
3: You know, another thing that's history. Uh, if I could just share this very short story. When when I get a commission uh, piece of artwork, uh, I like to dive in about the model year of the car where it was made. If I find advertisements, I look up the address to see if the building's still there. Well, I grew up in New Brunswick, New Jersey. My grandfather, uh, worked for international motor car company, which became Mack truck from 1919 to 1969. Mm -hmm. So just remember that part. Okay. Now, get a commission for a 1916 simplex crane simplex Mm -hmm. which was a very expensive automobile it went for around thirty eight hundred dollars and up and uh, so whereas model T's were going for four hundred five hundred dollars so I see and I look up and I see an advertisement showroom new uh, Broadway New York New York and then underneath it, I see manufacturing, New Brunswick, New Jersey. That's like, what?
2: Hmm.
3: New Brunswick, New Jersey? Where was this at? So it had taken me two weeks to finally locate where the factory was, thanks to Rutgers University's uh, archives, online archives. And you remember the old maps? Mm-hmm. You would see the map of, uh, like, say, Boston or local areas, and they would draw every building in the, in the town, And around the map would be the uh, large uh, corporations that were in the city.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I come across across the map of New Brunswick, and there it is, Simplex Motor Car Company. I'm like, holy smoke. Mm. And I look, and and there's the, uh, the map key where it's located. So thanks to Google, I go there, and you ready for this, John? The building's still there. Wow. The building is... And now, Crane Simplex, but the, now here's the history lesson. Crane Simplex manufactured cars up until the First World War, until the United States bought in. Then they had to stop making cars. Wright-Martin, they merged in with Wright-Martin aircraft.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They buy the building. They were making Hispana Azusa engines for the fighter planes. When the war was over... Uh, Ray Martin pulls out and International Motor Car Company Mack Truck buys the facility and I'm like holy smoke but the thing is of course my grandfather's passed on Mm -hmm. many years now but he never told me about these cars Mm. I mean it must have been a sight to see uh, these cars going around town because because of the New Brunswick uh, uh, library okay they have online newspapers. The past is alive and well. I'm reading, you know that Crane Simplex had a men's choir, baseball team, soccer team? Um, you're reading about articles about uh, there, was a, there was a test driver that got killed in New Brunswick because somebody cut him off. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of articles about the Simplex that if you just looked up Simplex New Brunswick, you could hardly find it. And then I found out that many of the streets in New Brunswick are named after famous flyers from the Wright Martin Corporation. And there's even a simplex avenue. Hmm. So see, yeah, so a history
0: lesson. Yeah, no, no. Cars, cars are absolutely a history lesson, and and when you get to talk like you do, when you get to talk to the people that own these cars, and you get that. And the other thing I always try to tell people: if you're thinking about getting into the old car hobby, go to an auto show and talk to talk to the people that own the car that you have an interest in. So whether it's a you know whether it's a, a simplex or whether it's a 1965 Thunderbird, go find somebody that has one and say. What should I be looking for? What are the mistakes that maybe you made when you were buying it? You know, the you know people will tell you the best way to buy a car is buy one that's all that, that somebody else already overspent the money on because you never get the money back. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, and also if you're going to uh if you're going to do a restoration from the ground up, uh, my radio partner Dusty and I always say make sure you have deep pockets, mm. which means, kid, make sure you have a lot of money because. Uh, if you want everything original, it does not come cheap. Uh, Chroming on a car is thousands of dollars. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, you know, and there's things where you can't do. You know, maybe uh, you're not equipped to be a painter. Yeah, I mean, you can do engine work, but you can't paint it. Uh, you're not uh, trained to be an upholsterer. You know, uh, one of my favorite places I send people is Gateway Classic Cars. I think they got, like, 12 showrooms. Mm. Uh, They should give you a a drool bib when you look at these cars. But it also gives you an idea as to what's out there. But what I tell people is, don't expect, if you buy a car that's 50 years old, it does not drive like a car from today because the technology wasn't there yet. Mm -hmm. And there's some people I talk I was very disappointed. I bought a... uh, a '68 Camaro, and I found it very stiff. And but I go, but it's not going to drive like a a 2018 Camaro. You know, the technology is totally, totally different. Hmm. You know, you drive a a, a a buddy of mine. He restored a '57 Chevrolet Bel Air, and he got the tires from Coker Tire,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, you know, it was a. Uh, was, I guess it was a two-ply tire, and I mean, it just, it rode hard. He says, yeah, if we had radials on this, it would be like driving on a cloud, you know, but, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that go with it, and of course, it's the maintenance of, of the automobile, too. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors, and uh, just like anything when you're buying a car, have a mechanic go with you, take a look at this thing. Because on the outside, it may look great, but the inside, uh, to me, I was always told years ago that the car looked like it was parked next to the Titanic, the engine compartment, walk away. Yeah. Because it's, you'll be very surprised. Now here's one, John, for your audience. You know, everybody's in love with like the 67 GTO, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the 68 Camaro. You know, if you want a uh, a 68 GTO or a 67 GTO convertible, it's going to cost you 85 grand. But, you know, there's a lot of cars out there that they were like, I would call mom and dad cars, but they're still beautiful, but they weren't popular. Uh, My first car, I bought my father's 66 Mercury Monterey. It was a two-door it was a metallic mm-hmm. uh, maroon metallic with a black vinyl roof. Okay, I love that car. Well, Mercury also made a car called uh, it was the Park Lane convertible. Now that car, fully restored, can run from seventeen thousand to twenty seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you buy a sixty uh, seven a GTO convertible, now you're paying eighty five thousand. Right, you know. Uh, a nash metropolitan you can you can pick up a nash metropolitan convertible for around eighteen thousand dollars i mean it's only got a four-cylinder engine your garden tractor Mm -hmm. could probably go faster than that but it's it's a
0: cool little car no they're they're, they're, yeah station wagons some of the station wagons yeah yeah all of a sudden they've they've gained popularity and something that you know you know uh you know whether it's a you know, '64 Chevy Nova wagon that people just kind of turn their nose up. Even in '64, I don't even think they liked them. But all of a sudden now, if you can find one and it's in and it's in good shape or or good restorable shape, it's just kind of a cool car to have. Yeah, it's um, there, there. Was a uh, uh, oh,
3: man uh, one of my favorite station wagons is the uh, uh, the Pony. I can't remember the model name for the wagon. It was a 59 Pontiac wagon. Oh, my God. This thing seemed like it was three miles around. Yeah, mile. yeah. But uh, uh, my father had a, in 1959, he bought a brand-new Pontiac um, Catalina. And, and that went for $1,975. Mm. And it came with a radio and a heater. And yeah. that was it. Black wheel tires. And he was so proud of that car. He would always say, "Peppy, this is called a wide track Pontiac," and he always said that.
2: Yep. But
3: <clears throat> you know, these are the things that you remember as a kid. Um, when I took driver's ed, they trained us on brand new 1971 Cutlass, uh, the Cutlass Oldsmobile, mm. and it was a four door. What a You, beau- I would, I would give my eye teeth. To have one, even a floor door but you can't touch them because everybody wants the popular car. Right. From back in the day. Yep. You know. No. Every everybody so, you know, everybody
0: lusts after what they had when you know, or what they couldn't have when they were kids. So you know, as the population, you know, as everybody's getting a little bit older, you know, there's no surprise that the cars of the '50s, '60s, and '70s are getting popular because that age group that couldn't own those cars when they were teenagers suddenly can, and uh, good or bad, it it makes them popular, also can tend to drive the price up a little bit too. But oh, absolutely.
3: Mm. Now. Last Christmas, I was trained how to drive a, uh, a 1922 Model T Ford, yep. and now I'm six feet tall, but it's, it's a very cramped car. Right. It's very complicated, and I asked uh, my friend uh, Michael, who owns this car, I said, okay, so you get somebody, they're going to be the first person to own a, a car in their family who trained these people how to drive? Because driving a Model T is like driving a a farm tractor. And uh, what my friend Michael told me was that people of the day, if they lived in the rural area and they're buying a Model T, they already knew how to drive a tractor. So driving a Model T was pretty easy. But for me, putting a car in reverse to slow down John, that goes against yeah, yeah,
0: no, and and, and doing and doing that with pedals instead of uh, instead of a shifter just is just is uh, a little bit odd. Hey, Joe, we're we're running out of time here, but uh, the best way I think the best way to find you is to find you on Facebook, right? And then just kind of go from there. Right, it's um, uh, look for Joe Pepitone. I'm not the ball player. I'm the better looking
3: Pepitone with hair. (laughs) And it looks, my icon looks like a Pepsi bottle cap because I go by Joe Pep. And um, you'll see all my posts. Please. I I love, you know, I I miss the Northeast for the fall and
0: sometimes the snow. Don't tell Mrs. Pep. Well, I'll tell uh, tell you what, I I got a yard full of leaves. I'll send you a bag of them. Oh, and you know what? I'll send you
3: a bag full of magnolia leaves, which falls 12 <laughs> months of the year. Yeah. So we're, we're even. Yeah. But if you want to watch our show, uh, go to the Big Talker 106.7 FM's Facebook page and go into their videos, and you'll see our uh, Every Car Has a Story uh, logo, and uh uh, You'll have a good time. Our car shows never get rained
0: out. There you go. Joe, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday. Go enjoy cars and coffee, and we'll talk soon. Hey, go Boston. Uh, all go right. Boston. All right. Take care, Joe. Bye-bye. That was Joe Pep. Joe Pepitone, not the ball player, as he pointed out, the better-looking one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we take another break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. Lines are open now. Uh, 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. If you're on hold, we will get to you as soon as we get back. The 5
2: o'clock Friday I got
0: WRL, The Spirit of Austin, or 100.3 FM, or any way you would like to to get through. You can can listen and find us no matter, well, all kinds of places. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, uh, Keith is getting the phones all straightened out. I want to talk about the car that got me around last week, and that's the all-new midsize Volkswagen Atlas. It's the first uh, seven-passenger, three-row SUV from Volkswagen. Unless you want to call a Vanagon an SUV, but not really. Uh, the Atlas is available in five trim levels, two engines, a 2.5. Point- 2 liter turbocharged 4 cylinder and a 3.6 liter V6. The Atlas is available in front or all wheel drive. Our road test was in the Atlas S with front wheel drive and the 4 cylinder engine. The interior of the Atlas S model is basic but comfortable. The cloth seats look good, are comfortable. The manual driver's seat offers enough adjustments for all drivers to find a comfortable seating position. The passenger seat can only be moved front and back and the seat back tilted which uh, my wife and other front seat passengers didn't like. They wanted to get move up and down a little bit. Uh, If you've been in a Volkswagen in the past few years, all the controls seem pretty straightforward. Simple stocks, buttons, knobs, which I personally find much simpler and less distracting than a touchscreen. Hopefully that phase is gone, that whole touchscreen only. I know... Tesla has it and people love it, but it's awful. Um, although our Atlas uh, didn't have navigation, did have Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, allowing most smartphones to seamlessly interface with the infotainment system. There's a good-sized glove compartment, large center console bins, cup holders, uh, large door pockets to carry all the junk we need to bring with us when we go places these days. Even those people get out of their cars now and there's like, they have, you know, if they're bringing their lunch, they have their lunch, their bag, their other thing, and a cup, because you gotta bring you gotta bring a you gotta bring water with you because you know that seven minute drive to work you might dehydrate it on the way so um, so you gotta bring that. Um, the, like I said, the seats were comfortable. The sliding second row uh, seating is extremely spacious with plenty of head and leg room. The third row seat, seats a bit tight, but can accommodate adults at least for short trips. Uh, with all the seats in use, there's about 20 feet of cargo space with the second and third row folded. It, it's 98, 96 uh, cubic feet of cargo space that rivals some full-size SUVs. Um, you think a two-liter engine in a big, heavy SUV doesn't make sense? Well, this two-liter engine makes 235 horsepower. Uh, merging onto a busy highway or passing a slowly moving uh, truck is drama-free. It's got 258 foot-pounds of torque. I was wondering if I could get this engine out and put it in my wife's Volkswagen. I mean, to add about 50 horsepower. Um, uh, those drivers wanting more power or needing to tow up to a 5,000 pound trailer, they'll want to opt for the 276 horsepower V6. Zero to 60, both cars are about the same though. Uh, both engines are connected to a smooth shifting 8 speed automatic transmission with manual mode. Uh, fuel economy during my time with the Atlas average, about 23 miles per gallon, not not great, but not terrible. Steering and handling were quite good. More sedan-like than midsize SUV. Uh, the ride's generally quite good, but the Atlas can become a bit unsettled over potholes or big pavement breaks, stuff like that. The Atlas is really quiet with almost uh, no wind or road noise. The Atlas by Volkswagen is a midsize SUV that many buyers have been looking for. The seating is comfortable. The ride pleasant in the interior space, versatile and roomy. If you're looking for a long-distance family cruiser, the Atlas by Volkswagen is certainly a vehicle that should be on your shopping list. EPA says 22 city, 26 highway. I averaged about 23 combined. The engine's a 2-liter, two 235-horsepower, four-cylinder in our test car. And price as tested, $31,675. So there you go. Keith, what are we doing? Uh, let's see. Where's my microphone? Hi, hi. Can well, you probably need to turn that up. You know, oh, if you to talk. Yes. All right, yes. Uh, Bob from Worcester. All right, let's talk to Bob from Worcester. Bob, is that you? Bob. Bob, is that you? There you are. Yes, hey, John Paul. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, you had helped me uh, a while back. I I had a Mustang. I had a leak on my uh, thermostat, and
1: uh, you suggested putting some baby powder underneath the intake, which actually worked out great because I was able to... Kind of see if, if it was leaking after I fixed it. So that just a heads up. Okay. That was a great uh, idea.
0: Well, it was. A, it's an old timey idea. It's there's, there's nothing there's nothing new about that. That's what uh, uh, that's what uh, that's what we used to do back in the old days. In fact, and I don't know why, but for some reason, uh, foot powder was the thing. And I think it was foot yeah. powder because that's probably what a lot of guys had in shops that. Dumped it in their work boots, so you went yeah. to, you went and stole somebody's foot powder from their from their locker and used it to try to find leaks in a car. So,
1: no, that was an excellent idea. I got uh, John Paul. I
3: got two quick questions. Sure. One's uh, when I'm coming off the highway, I, I'm on the Mustangs 05, and I'm at a you know come off the ramp. I'm at a right, and the uh, the idle drops down. In, in the older cars, we could adjust that
1: idle. What is there any adjustment on the newer has for an
0: idle no wh- I mean not really once the initial once it's initially set it should yep. be pretty much stay where it's supposed to stay so when you come wow. off the, when you're coming off the highway if the idle's dropping down a little bit one yep. of the things it might be is um, just about every car including yours has a, something called an EGR valve An EGR valve is designed to recirculate exhaust gas. That's what it stands for. And sometimes what happens is they get kind of carboned up. So you you take your foot off the gas. You come off the highway. You're on full vacuum, you know, because you're you're coasting with your foot off the gas. That's when the EGR valve tends to open, and it recirculates some exhaust gas to... uh, lower, it helps lower the temperature of the catalytic converter, but it also eliminates something called oxides of nitrogen. So, but what can happen is the EGR valve can be a little sticky. So it doesn't, when you come to a stop, now it should completely close back up so it doesn't screw the idle up. And if it's, and if it's hanging up a little bit open, it'll make the idle a little bit rough, which drops it down a little bit. And even though the car should try to compensate for it, it might not because maybe the, uh, the idle, the idle control, the idle air control is a little bit sticky. So, um, at uh, one thing you could give, give it a try. Try a couple of tankfuls of a good um, fuel system cleaner like Tecron or, or B and G. Yeah, that something. actually works yeah. fabulous. Yeah. yeah, try, try, try a couple tanks fulls of that and see if it cleans yeah. some of the carbon out. If it gets better, it's probably related to to either an uh, idle air control motor that's sticky or uh, an EGR valve that's sticky. Uh, Pretty much any time you pull a vacuum line off of an intake manifold on a new car, the idle should compensate, and usually it goes a little higher than it should. But if you're coming to a point where it's going a little low, um, you could have a bit of a vacuum leak that it can't compensate for, and an EGR EGR valve is a good place to look. All right,
1: yeah, it, I, would, I could do that on a tune-up, just to replace it when I'm doing a
3: tune-up. Well,
0: EGI rail is pretty expensive. So you, you, Are they? Yeah, yeah. so you might want to check first before you replace it. All right, good. Hey, uh, the other quick question is, I'm doing a
3: cat on a Jeep, 03 Liberty, on mm-hmm. the left-hand side, driver's side. I'm changing the
0: front cat, and I know there's a clamp up top. Is there a, is there a donut that goes with that clamp? It's, uh, I think what you're going to see, it's It's going to look like a steel donut. Okay. Yeah, so it's going to look, it's It's not going to be made out of, it's not going to be made out of, like, fiber that you used to, like, in old cars. It's, it's not like the one at the crossover pipe. No, no I, no. I don't think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see something, that, and, it's, and chances are if it's not broken, it's probably reusable. Okay, so it should come with the new cat. With um, the uh, in, theory, yeah. in theory, it might. I don't know. Dog. okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, I'll keep an eye right. on you. All right, all right, good enough. Thanks for your help, all Bob, right. Paul. Great care. show. All right, thanks. All right, bye-bye. All right, thanks, Bob. 617-770-3030 is our number. Let's go wherever Keith tells us to go now.
3: Okay, let's see Rick from Boston. All right,
0: hey, we haven't talked to Rick in a whole week now. <laughs> Rick, is that you? Yeah, that's me. What are you doing these? What? Are you, you're not out riding today. It's way too wet. No, actually, but uh, I've got two things. Uh, one, um,
1: you're just talking about foot powder and that. Um, my son, I think he's got off, uh, a couple of leaks in his uh, Jeep. Uh, what do you do? Just sprinkle them around the uh, valve or
3: whatever? Yeah, yeah
0: where, you think, where you think there's a leak, and what happens is you, you, let, it, you let it run for a little bit, and then you can, you, can, you can see where whatever the liquid is traces, you know, stains the, stains the powder. Okay, good. And um, I mean, I mean, the, the the way people really do it these days is they add a special dye to all the fluids, and then they yeah. use an ultraviolet light. Dim the lights in the room, and you know, in the yeah. garage, and use an ultraviolet light. And when you do that, suddenly you can see where the leak is. But if you don't have if you don't have dye in an ultraviolet light, a uh, little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, uh, powder can give you kind of the same idea. Well, my son,
1: I have a little problem uh, dimming the uh, sun. Yeah, that there's that out, so. there's that
0: problem, and the, and the powder powder works. So, you know, go go steal go steal some uh, Johnson and Johnson foot powder or or something. So. Yeah.
1: Well, um, last Sunday, myself and another bike were talking about uh, being weary really at, at times driving this time of year with the li-
0: wet leaves on the road on our bikes. Um, what effect do they have on cars, if any? Just like ice. Um, you put okay. wet leaves on top of wet leaves, and and then you get water on top of that. Um, you can you can go around a corner and in a car and and have the car slide. And even with electronic stability control, which helps, which helps. Um, wet leaves can be really slippery, especially like this morning. It, and still it's starting to rain, starting to pick back up again. And yeah. And the streets are covered with leaves, so even coming to a stop, especially if you're stopping at the bottom of a hill where you need a little bit more brake pressure and a little bit more traction, and if you're stopping on some wet leaves, you're going to lose that traction. You're going to slide right into the car in front of you. So this is one of those times that you normally in the rain, you want to keep a little bit more stopping distance, but rain and wet leaves, you want to leave even a little bit more. Think of it, think of it like snow. Well, I think it would know, be a good good thing to talk about today. I think, I think it was a good idea. Rick, you're always full of good ideas. <laughs> uh, well, I we love I you, I Rick. All right, Rick. All right, take okay, care. Yep, yeah, bye-bye. I think, where are we going now, sir? John Boston. All right, let's talk to John in Boston. John. Yeah, hi, right. hi John. Um, good show. I was, I was to your
3: guest and pretty much I think car collecting for young people is going downhill.
1: How do they have money because get the student loans. I said to you, women a 20 something woman today in Auburn she what's an Olsen bill? I mean, I I don't know if it's That's like you don't have to kill Olsen bill. They rely on that. Well, so
0: well, well, it's, it's kind of, find it, the money. It's well, it's kind of funny. I was uh, I was at a votex school this week and yep. um, we were talking about the trades and how the trades are just screaming for people whether they're carpenters, electrician, HVAC, um cad cam you know all kinds of things and we we're talking about a kid getting out of getting out of high school and deciding not to go to college which you know some people kind of you know look down their nose at that they didn't that they didn't go to college and, yeah, be a big uh, shot and go to college and get a degree. yeah it, and the <laughs> idea the idea that you're going to go into uh you're going to go into almost debt over that and uh it can, it can turn it can turn into a real problem, and you go you you can leave a Votech school, and uh, we, I was talking to one of the instructors who worked at a Volkswagen dealer ten years ago, and he said his his average paycheck ten years ago, and he did it for ten years was over a hundred thousand dollars a year, and he's like, and he said and he said, well I went to I went to trade school in Ireland, and. Uh, he said, I didn't even I'm not even in a trade, I went to trade school it. You know, he said I went to I went to trade school for, for drafting and he said I decided I like doing this better and uh, he said it just it just worked out. So I I really believe that, you know, you you know, there's certainly you know, people that go to college, you know, great. But uh, I was talking to uh, Jamie Murphy, he's a state rep but his family owns Murphy Brothers, the Volkswagen uh Volkswagen place, and he was saying, you know, he 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 talks to kids all the time now that have two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars in student debt, and they're yeah. they're start they're starting a job making twenty five thousand dollars a year, and it's going to have an antique car. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to get gonna an antique car. car all, yeah, old car.
1: yeah but but there are
0: you know still the antique car hobby is fairly strong, not as strong as I think it used to be, but still there's there's a lot going on with it, so. Like Hollie Davidson, who wants Hollie Davidson? You know, a twenty thousand dollars bike—that's for rich men. You know, in the 50s and well, 60s. Well, You like, got to right wait. You got to wait till they're eight years old, and they're selling for four thousand dollars. <laughs> so
3: I see if the swap meets
0: things don't sell anymore. Going to and more swap meets. Yeah, so I think it's going downhill pretty much, little yep. you know, by little. Yeah. No, no, well, you're you're absolutely right. The millennial they do not even know what you're talking about. Well somebody somebody joked with me one time that and maybe I saw it on the back of a uh, saw it on the back of a uh, uh, spare tire cover, I think, on a Jeep and it and it had a it had a shift a standard shift pattern and it said millennial anti theft tool. <laughs> yeah, well we appreciate it. I see that about six or seven years ago, AMC uh,
1: manager, uh, ambassador, $1,700. Yeah, I just ruined it. This young guy, just, you know, they
0: don't appreciate things like that. Well, yeah, well, you know, your, your grandfather probably said that about stuff you own too. Well, I am into it, but I'm making, you know, late 50s now, so I remember buying an old car for 1500 bucks,
3: you know, 500 a $1,000. Now you can't even touch them.
0: Yep. No, no, yeah. you're absolutely right. Hey, we got to yeah. get going. Oh, thank you. All right, take care. Hey! Look, my producer suddenly, Paul Sullivan. Look at that! It's me. Look at that! Look at you sitting. How lying. am I doing? Yeah, what are you What are you doing there? I I, I don't know. just You need You need, <laughs> need some place to sit? Well, I I, I Keith got called away in some kind of. Uh, Fake emergency, I think. Yeah. yeah. He made it back. <laughs> yeah, he did. Where'd he did you go. Did you have to go to the bathroom? Yeah I did. Uh, there, see? <laughs> <laughs> that happens in radio, folks. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And and where where are we with like uh uh Well, uh the clock
3: on the wall
1: says it's
0: eight no. Oh, <laughs>
1: 958.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, and we is. never did give away any auto show tickets. If you want them, email me, Paul at aaa J Paul at aaa northeast.com. I have a few tickets no left down. over for the no Connecticut Auto Show. I have a few tickets left. I have some tickets left for the Boston Auto Show. I have a f- few tickets left for the, for the, uh, oh, for the, uh, RV show too, so I have tickets to give away. Send me an email. Drop me an email, JPaul at AAANortheast I'll get them in the mail to you this week. But right now, the very best in Irish music.
1: But now you got uh, forty seconds.
0: seconds. Yeah. So I all right. So yeah, what And so since what, I
1: don't have any headphones, and can't hear what the <laughs>
0: yeah. so it's what it's you, you and me. Baby. Yeah. So what do you got going on with the Irish at parade uh, today? We have rainy day Irish
3: music all day because it's going to rain, and then so it's gonna after it's going to be a big blow.
0: So it's going to feel like Ireland.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think it's softer rain in Ireland. Softer (laughs) rain. Yeah, but from here it looks soft enough, right? Yeah, I I think so. I think so. Well, and I put the soft in
2: Irish music.
0: (laughs) You know, I I have no comment to that somehow. But anyway, hey, coming up next, Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade, the very best in Irish music heard here forever. Yes. Only on the station. Remember, next week I'm not going to be here, but Buddy Craig Fitzgerald is going to be filling in. So be nice to him when he comes in. Uh, he's a good guy. You'll like him. We'll be. We'll see you. We'll talk to you in two weeks, and uh, until next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye.